Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Rumcast. I'm Will Hookinga, as always, here with John Gullah down in Miami, wearing the nice Miami, what University of Miami, with the U logo hat representing on the podcast today. Yes, thank you for making that distinction, by the way. Miami University is in Ohio. Ohio, yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. yes. I'm aware. Um, <laughs> but anyway, today we've got a really fun interview that we did with Maggie Campbell and Jackie Brooms, who work at Mount Gay. Jackie is the agricultural manager. Maggie Campbell is the uh, pretty new yeah. state rum manager. This is her new gig. Uh, Maggie is a, a guest we've had on the program uh, in the past, and it was good to have her back and kind of catch up. I know lots of people, including us, are very curious as to what she's been getting up to at Mount Gay. So um, before we get into that, though, John, uh, I know we've got we've got some reader mail we want to check in on. Uh, before we get into that, though, what reader mail, people aren't reading the podcast or listening. <laughs> we've got listen- listener mail listener to get mail. into. But before we get into that, how are things going for you? Uh, great, actually. I'm uh, here actually sipping on some uh, Mount Gay Andean Oak, which I was yes. very lucky enough to uh, grab recently and in- have been enjoying over the last few weeks. So uh, it's, I believe it's a- you were sipping on that during our interview as well. I was, and I, I brought uh, brought it out again because I, I love to get different impressions over, or I should say impressions of a rum over different nights or over time. Right. Uh, because I think that really adds to the experience and you get a little bit out of it that way. I mentioned it, I think, on the interview for them as well, but I really, really enjoy in this one and I love the presentation. I love... Oh, you're, the- big, you're big on the box. I, I do like the box, actually. Yes, it's it's a beautiful dark green, and it is a beautiful bottle within it. But what I like about it is they put like some information on there, and it says like style on the uh-huh. front of it. The style they have is opulent and spicy. Opulent. And you know what? You know what? I have to agree. Wow. <laughs> I, I think it is exactly opulent and spicy is what comes to mind. It's a really fantastic rum. Anybody who uh, gets a chance to either try it or buy it, uh, you won't be sorry. It's a really, really nice one. Opulent. That's that's a $5 word if I've ever heard one. Um, is it $5 word or $10 word? I, I've heard, you know, 50 cent word. I don't know. Maybe there's just different <laughs> levels of, of word money. Well, what, whichever price amount it is, it's an expensive sounding word. That's what I'm going for. Anyway, before we get, go over to Mount Gay, uh, we got uh, a, an email in from a listener named Tyson who had uh, a question that I think is on a lot of people's minds if they've never been to a rum event. So basically, yeah. he said, you know, I've never been to a rum tasting or a rum festival he wanted to know, you know, what are they like? Is it a fun time? Are they educational? What are the prices like? And I think this is a great topic because I think overall rum festivals can be a really cool experience and mm-hmm. a way to really like advance your, I don't want to make it sound too fancy. It's a great way to taste a bunch of rums you've never had all at one time, <laughs> you know, <laughs> instead of having to like slowly buy a bunch of bottles or like exchange right. samples and stuff, which can, which can all be fun, but it's a good way to supplement that and be able to taste a lot of things all in one place, all at one time with people who are as crazy about rum or or in some cases even more crazy about rum maybe than you are. So I wanted to turn the question on you though, because actually all my experiences at festivals to date or events have like, I've usually been doing a panel or something Mm -hmm. like that on them. And Mm -hmm. so I enjoy them. But my personality type is like, if I have to do something like that, I basically can't enjoy myself at all until that thing is over. Um, It's not like I'm pacing around like a nervous wreck or anything like that. But I'm just, you know, I just it's it's on my mind. And I can't just, you know, kind of kick back and relax until I've gotten that out of the way. So I wanted to turn the question to you. I know you've been to a number, you get a steady stream, it feels like, of great events, festivals related to rum down there in Miami. What's your impression of them? What do you think the value is for an average rum enthusiast? Well, first of all, yes, I have been a regular paying customer for many a rum festival down here yes. uh, and experienced them uh, in that way. First thing I would say is even amongst those here in Miami, they're all kind of different in certain ways. Yes, mm-hmm. the central premise stays the same. You're you're going to have a bunch of uh, different rums that are present, different rum brands present, and they'll all be trying to offer you different drinks or just straight up the rums to try. And so it's a really fun experience uh, in that way to, to do that. But they all have their own niches. 
places as well, at least of those that I've gone to. So I've learned over the last few that I've attended that you have to pace yourself. Yes. Uh, Pacing yourself is very important. But if you do and you are there to learn about the rums, learn about who's making them, what they're doing uh, with their processes, and then getting to try them, it's an absolutely invaluable experience. What I've paid for for tickets going in has been well worth it every single time so far. And I, I would say, like, to me, the seminars and things like that, you'll there will definitely mm-hmm. usually be some really good ones. But I would say the things that are most irreplaceable about events are the being able to taste stuff, to go up to booths, to meet people from the brands, and also to meet just the other people in attendance. Uh, Because as good as the seminars and things can be, there are a lot of great seminars and stuff that you can see online, you know, videos you can watch that, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not as good as being there in person. Um, And especially sometimes I will say, if you see the seminars where there's going to be some sort of tasting during the seminar, Definitely try to make it to those and check and make sure because sometimes you have to like put your name on a list in advance because they only have seating capacity for a certain number of people. Mm -hmm. So look into that. I know I sat in on a Mount Gay presentation at the Rum Renaissance Festival in Miami. Um, I believe that was actually when we met. Yeah. And uh, they did a great tasting. We got to try, you know, kind of some of the flagship releases. And it was around the time that that release, uh, the Pete Smoke, came out, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a pretty pricey bottle. I think it was around like 200 bucks. And, you know, everyone got a sample of that to try. So I, I would say, like, keep a lookout for the seminars where there's going to be a tasting involved because there's not always a tasting during those. But yeah, other than that, just like go to the booths meet the makers uh the distillers themselves aren't always there but you'll be surprised at like some right. of the personalities you can meet in person at rum festivals uh do that and you know just try to have a good time i try like you said to pace myself for me that's essential especially if it's a multi-day event mm-hmm. you don't want to overdo it on the first day so right pace yourself have a good time be responsible don't be a wild loud insane person like ruining everyone's good vibes but yeah um that's what i would say yeah i I agree totally and i think there is a lot of education to be had there too so there's again depending on the event they are different sometimes there's educational elements there's just the having fun hanging out with rum people element which is a very fantastic thing and then there's the the tasting element also and and to your point will different tables will have different levels of people working the event so sometimes you do have the distiller and you can really get that inside information sometimes it will be a brand representative and many of those brand representatives are very knowledgeable about the product and can answer questions as well. Sometimes you just have a, a booth person who's just a booth person pouring, mm-hmm. uh, and, and you have to look on the bottle yourself. But the, you know they're usually really good about just you know saying, "Yeah, here, check out the bottle." So it's just about understanding uh, those differences and getting out from it what you're looking for, uh, not only to taste but also to learn about the rum that you're tasting. Yeah, uh, and I think that's really the key. And, and you can meet some incredible personalities, like you were saying, like, it doesn't have to be the distiller always. When I was at the New York Rum Festival late last year, like at the Worthy Park tables, Zan Kong was there, who's yep. like one of the most knowledgeable, fun rum people to talk to. So, yeah. Right. Um, and, and just to like list off, I guess, some, some events to look into. Um, I mentioned, you know, Miami has the Rum Renaissance Festival. There's also the Miami Rum Congress, which mm-hmm. should be actually happening right as we release this episode, I believe. There's the New York Rum Festival, California Rum Festival, which is usually in San Francisco. And I think there's going to be some in LA this year, maybe one in Washington. So Mm -hmm. yeah, we'll we'll put some links in the show notes to, you know, some different rum festivals that you can look into. And we've heard some others popping up. So keep your Mm -hmm. eyes peeled, even if you're not in those locations, uh, for others that seem to also be starting to come. I've heard some in the Carolinas, maybe, up in the north near the Boston area, and others that might be starting to come together as COVID starts to decline and in-person events begin to rise again. So, And if you have any local rum or tiki bars, like just follow them because a lot of times they'll have, you know, brand events coming in regularly. So those aren't like full scale rum events with lots of different producers but it can still be a great way to go get to know a a distillery better in their products so yeah so i think we covered that with with all that said um i'm excited to get into the interview as i said earlier we talked to Jackie Brooms, agricultural manager at Mount Gay, and Maggie Campbell, who is the estate rum manager at Mount Gay. And this is kind of like a whole 
other side of Mount Gay. I don't yeah. know that people know the extent of the agricultural program there, but they're growing sugarcane um, because they want to have like you know their own molasses essentially to use uh, for mm-hmm. parts of their production. It won't replace the other types of molasses that they use fully, but we get into all that. And there's a ton they're doing beyond sugarcane that I think is just really interesting in in all how that works and like a bunch of stuff I didn't even realize they did. So yeah, I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, I think the sustainability angle is really one that is interesting for sure. uh, And and really lays out the future. This conversation and what they're doing, I think, paints a good picture of what the future of rum looks like for probably a lot of people and what we need to start thinking about. But it's it's great to see Mount Gay taking a kind of a, a leadership role in what they think they need to do with sustainability moving forward also. If you don't care about sustainability, you you should. And I think you I think you will yeah. after listening to this because exactly. like we, we got into that a little bit of just like you know, sustainability gets tossed around so much. Sometimes people hear it and, you know, just their eyes kind of glaze over. But, you know, why should rum consumers care about this? And and you absolutely should. And they and Maggie and Jackie both give like very good reasons why this is something that all of us should should care yes. about and, and prioritize. Exactly. Oh, also real quick, before we get over to the interview, we wanted to plug one more time. We have, this is our 49th episode. So our next episode is our 50th episode. And as we said on the last podcast, uh, we put out, we put out the call to the Rumcast community out there. A call Um, to action. Yeah, a call to action. Just, we'd love to hear from you and just hear like what you love about rum or maybe something you've heard on the podcast that, you know, connected with you or something you've, you know, tried or experienced a certain rum that you learned about from the podcast. We'd love to hear what that experience was like for you. Um, And we want to hear it in your words, in your voice. So just pull out your phone, record a little audio message and email it to us at host at rumcast.com that's h-o-s-t at rumcast.com we've already received some very cool messages and we're hoping to do something fun with them so yeah. if you're up for that uh, go ahead and, and get that in by we'll, we'll say until march 13th and yeah. uh we'll, we'll try to do something fun with that all right let's let's get over to the interview hey rumcasters Ed Hamilton and Brock Smith wanted to bring U.S. rum lovers something that's pretty rare, which is single cask, single mark, single still, unadulterated rum expressions from Guyana. And with the Hamilton single cask series, that's exactly what they're doing. So now if you want to experience foolproof releases from each of the four diamond stills, that means the Saval multi-column, the Versailles wooden pot, the Inmore wooden coffee, and the historic Port Morant double pot, you finally can. Plus, the series also includes releases from Clarendon in Jamaica and Foursquare in Barbados. All six expressions are extremely limited and you can find them in the Florida Rum Society shop. And the good news about that is, that means they can be shipped to many states throughout the US. So visit floridarumsociety.com Hamilton to secure some of these limited bottlings today. All right, we are here with first-time Rumcast guest Jackie Brooms and returning Rumcast guest Maggie Campbell, both from Mount Gay Rum. Uh, And I noticed in getting ready for this, this is actually the first time we've ever had that combination of a new and a returning guest. Mm -hmm. And it's the first time that a returning guest has been in a completely different place, completely different country, than she was the last time she was on the show. Uh, so welcome to both of you, first of all. And Maggie, I, I did want to start by just asking, like, is everything still just a whirlwind at this point? Do you feel like you're closer to settled in? Do you have your bearings and like in the swing of things down in Barbados? Where are you right now? Thanks. Um, yeah, it's great to be back. Thank you guys for having us. I was so excited when you reached out. Um, I've, I've been a little stingy with giving too much of my time and energy because I have been really focused on this move. So I was really excited to get to say yes to you guys. Um, yeah, you know, my husband, Peter, who some of you guys know, uh, said over dinner the other night, he's like, we're in phase two. So now we know <laughs> where things are. We know how to get stuff. We have like a bank account. 
And, you know, big thanks to the Rum family. You know, the crew at Mount Gay have been amazing at helping me get settled, as well as obviously the SEALs have been a huge help in, you know, introducing me to people. Gail helped me pick out a doctor, stuff like that. Um, so, yeah. So, we're so many little things when you move that you, like, yes. don't realize you have to get. A, and I hadn't even thought about, a, like, a new bank. Um, oh, yeah. It was, it's I, an adventure. Um, sure. <laughs> I moved down the street two years ago. I think I'm still in phase two at this point. So. <laughs> So yeah, uh, we feel like you know we're 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 a little more settled. We we know our neighbors well. We recognize people we see around town. They recognize us. Gail and I have our Saturday morning coffee uh, visit, and there you go. yeah, it's feeling very much like home. I f- I feel like settled. We're mostly unpacked, like ninety five percent. The other five percent will probably never happen. You know, we'll move the That's next okay. time to another house, and everyone has the five percent. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's it's feeling good. It's feeling good. I feel a lot more settled. Like, yeah, been a lot more in touch with people and kind of coming out of my moving shell. So thanks for asking. Well, I, I'd love to kind of start by learning how you both ended up doing what you're doing. So Jackie, you're the agricultural manager at Mount Gay. And it might be kind of a surprise to some of our listeners that Mount Gay even has an agricultural component. Um, like, it's not like it's never discussed or anything. There's information on it out there. But I feel like it's this corner of what you're doing at the distillery that isn't like known as much. So um, I'd love to hear just how you ended up in that position and what it ent- like what's involved with being the agricultural manager. Well, yes, I am the agricultural manager as Weird as that might seem to some people. <laughs> um, Monday purchased an estate in the year 2015 so okay. that they could begin the process of growing their own sugar cane. At that time, I was employed as a non-sugar agronomist and at the island's sugar cane research unit. So my role meant that I worked with all crops but sugar cane, so no sugar cane. So it's a sugar cane-focused place, but Re- you were a, non, a non-sugar agronomist. Uh, agronomist. So I was the only, the only non-sugar agronomist. There were five of us, and I was the only non-sugar agronomist. Wow. So I was like, literally the only person not working in sugar cane. <laughs> <laughs> but in 2018, I heard through the grapevine, you know, that Maltier was looking for an agricultural manager. But I somehow felt that they would want someone more sugar cane oriented, of course. But lo and behold, one day I just got this phone call, and it was Maltier on the line. And as we say, the the rest is history, right? <laughs> At Montgomery, no, I'm responsible for the successful execution of all agricultural and some environmental initiatives. And so for the last few years, we have been working hard toward turning the estate around and we're beginning to reap those rewards and we're very proud. Awesome. Yeah, I, I know you've got like, a. I think what'll be surprising to people is is hearing how much more than just sugarcane sugar you're, you're managing yeah. there. So we'll, we'll get into that eventually, but yeah. I'm excited I'm excited to learn more about it. So Maggie, kind of completing our, our intro phase here, you started at Mount Gay back in October, I believe, and are the estate rum manager there. So I was hoping you could share a little bit about how that opportunity came about, um, what you could tell us about the new role, and maybe what fans of previous efforts can expect from you there as part of Mount Gay. Similar to Jackie, I got a phone call and lo and behold, Mount Gay was on the end of the line. Um, I got a call from Raphael, which who some of your fans will know and be mm-hmm. familiar with. And he said that he there was something really exciting going on and that they had trouble kind of finding this sort of, he said, a unicorn who <laughs> would fit. And I guess I was a good fit. And, you know, from the moment we started talking, I just had this like tingle feeling about it. And yeah, it's, it's really, it's an incredible opportunity I'm really excited about. And I'll be thrilled to share more about it when I can. You are the unicorn. Uh, you're, you're like, I can't remember what's that famous uh, art photo of the unicorn in the, in the kind of the woody area. Oh, gosh, I can't pull the name out. But that's what I'm picturing right now is you were the unicorn down there in Mount Gay and Barbados. I didn't uh, know there was a famous painting involving a unicorn. Is. But it's now like I wanna, medieval, I'll have to look this up later. It's a medieval painting. <laughs> okay. uh, and I'm totally going to look it up and put it in the show notes for everybody so people can see I'm not crazy. <laughs> if you see it, you'll know it. Anyways, now that is forever linked to Maggie Campbell. Uh, I'll ruin it for you, though. For I'll ruin it for you because uh, one of my good friends who knows I'm kind of obsessed with the office does the the princess unicorn. Oh, my, my horn, horn can pierce, pierce the, the sky. sky. Yeah, <laughs> they sing that. For me. 
Excellent. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So uh, let's let's get back into uh, talking about agriculture, especially with you all. What what's the larger vision behind that and the estate run program at Mount Gay? Is the goal to kind of one day supply everything you need right there at the facility, or do you always kind of expect you'll you'll be in some sort of a relationship with others importing some of the molasses? Or what can you talk about with that portion of the program? Well, just to give you a little background, due to the size of Mount Gay's estate. Is really only 320 acres in size. So even in Barbados, that is a smaller estate, right? right? Just to give you an idea of the size of it. So essentially, we can never really grow enough sugarcane to meet Mogi's molasses needs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not even Barbados can produce the molasses <laughs> that we need. Um, as such, we will always be reliant on the importation of molasses for the production of our core range. Right. So the molasses from our estate is for a very special project. And trust ah. me, it will be worth the wait. <laughs> we do have a very big vision for our estate, not only for Mogi, but for Barbados at large. We really intend to be a leader in the industry as an example of best practices to use as an estate where only sustainable agricultural practices are used. We want to contribute to Barbados's food and nutrition security. Mm-hmm. And we're also actively working to improve our soils, prevent soil erosion. We just have very, very big plans for the estate. So the idea right now is that kind of what Mount Gay is already doing and has been doing for a very long time, that's not really shifting. It's this is a new piece that's being added on for a special project that we will hopefully get to see much more of and hear more of in the future. Exactly. So we're not changing. We're not shifting away from the core range. This is just an exciting new addition, a new baby, if you will. And you have to watch and grow the family. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting just in reading more about being able to use your sugar cane to get your own molasses. Like it's, it, it sounds like it's not as simple as just like trotting up to the sugar mill and being like, Hey, we brought some sugar cane. Can you only process this and give us just our molasses? Like what, what is that kind of relationship? Like, cause if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, there's, there's one mill active in Barbados right now. Yeah, we actually only have one working mill. It's mm-hmm. called Portville Factory. So what we have, we have an arrangement with them that we send our sugarcane there and they send our molasses from to us. Your description was a very sweet and not wholly dissimilar from the process. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I mean, I've, I've heard, I mean, I'm sure it's completely different in, in different parts of the world, but I've talked to some you know, distillers in Louisiana and things like that, that try to collaborate with mills down there. And it can be like really difficult to find, you know, the right relationship mm-hmm. that works out. So that's, that's cool that you have that. I, I think another question that will be in people's mind, especially after our latest conversation with, uh, with Richard Seal and some of what they're doing at Foursquare is, is like, now that you have more access to fresh sugar cane, are like are there any plans to maybe incorporate stuff besides just molasses and any experiments like juice or anything like that? Is is I don't know how much you can talk about that, but it, could any of that be a possibility? That's not in our plans right now. For us, the Mount Gay house style, the history of Mount Gay, the mm-hmm. the way it's always been has been yeah. molasses. So uh-huh. we really like to honor that tradition. I think one of Mount Gay's strengths is being the oldest running rum distillery mm-hmm. in the world. And, you know, making sure that that house style is kind of respected, even mm-hmm. as it goes through 319 years of mm-hmm. change, uh, yeah. it still has a core, core essence. So for us, that molasses is a bit of that. I believe, I believe Trudian says it's the heartbeat. Is that yeah. correct, Jackie? <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I think it's like, as, carried away as sometimes well not carried away but i think sometimes rum enthusiasts like want everyone to be doing like all of the things all of the time and stuff but there's something to be said about having an established tradition and it's not like there's still not room to innovate and do interesting things within that as we're about to find out all the the cool things that y'all are doing with the agriculture and estate program but i i did on the note of molasses I think it's it's really interesting and kind of an ongoing challenge, I feel, when I talk to producers about molasses sourcing. It's just, it can be difficult. I, I read in a previous interview that Mount Gay had mentioned hoping to be 100% pro-Terra certified, using 100% pro-Terra certified molasses by 2022. So first of all, I was interested in like what actually 
is that certification? Why is that important? Like, why why should people care what the molasses is is or is not certified for? Um, and kind of like, why is that preferred? So we, we made a switch from the Proterra molasses. Okay. We moved to Bon Sucre. But just so that it's clear for everyone, Mogae does have three streams of molasses. We have the molasses from our estate that we mentioned before that is going towards a special project. We have, uh, um, that's a very small in quantity, very, mm-hmm. very small. Mm-hmm. We have our local molasses from Barbados, which of course is very desirable. We would hope to have more, but we can't at this time. And then we have the imported molasses, which is sourced from the Caribbean region. Mm-hmm. You know, as I said before, we ideally, if we could, we would source all of the molasses from Barbados, but the local industry just is not able to support this. We don't have enough sugarcane. So if obviously if we don't have enough sugarcane, don't have enough assets under sugarcane, you can't have enough molasses. And we do have to share with the other producers on island. So by that fact alone, we have we don't have enough. As such, we have to import the molasses to meet our needs. So to do so as sustainably as possible, Mount Gay made a commitment to only use brown sucrose certified molasses, right? And as of 2021, this became our reality. So all of the molasses that was imported from 2021 is now brown sucrose certified. Right. The reason why Bon Sucro was chosen is because it promotes sustainable sugarcane production, processing, and trade all around the world. It is the only certification that we could find that solely focused on sugarcane. And so we thought that the Bon Sucro molasses was ideal because it shares a common mission with what we at Mount Gay seek to do, and that is value the people, the communities, and the ecosystems in all of our king growing regions, our king growing estates. So that is where we are right now. And, and I'm just trying to like wrap my my head around how the whole molasses ecosystem works. I'm curious mm-hmm. is is something like Bon Sucro certified? Is that a small percentage of all the molasses out there, or is it becoming like an increasingly large percentage? Like, are we making progress on? sugarcane and, and molasses yeah. becoming more sustainable or is it still like a small part of it it's increasing every year especially within the caribbean and latin american regions which really concerns us here in Barbados. Mm. so it's something that i expect that you will see more of in the near future that's good to hear yeah but we try to choose those entities that are closest to us because we're also right. very interested in reducing our carbon footprint so exactly. the closer you are the better better is for us here in Barbados. And shifting back to the uh, sugarcane that's now being grown there, I know back in 2020, Raphael Grissoni actually did also mention that there was new varieties of sugarcane that you're growing in greenhouses. Mm-hmm. So, Jackie, I was wondering if you can share more about that process specifically, and is the goal to narrow down uh, which of those varietals you're going to get? Are you trying to have more of them available to experiment with, or what can you <laughs> tell us uh, with that? You're asking me my secret. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest, Barbados is blessed. I would say that we're blessed to have one of the world's oldest key breeding stations located in Barbados. Hmm. The, the other one is located in Java on the, the other side of the world, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. because of this, we have access to sugarcane cultivars that were bred in Barbados specifically for Barbados. So that's a All plus right. for sure. Yeah. However, when Monkey purchased the estate in 2015 obviously before it was run by another entity and when we purchased the estate in 2015 what we followed was that it was covered in primarily one single cultivar so if it was 150 acres under sugarcane all 150 was under one cultivar now in the agricultural world this is not a good practice because in the event that there's a major disease outbreak Mm, within that particular cultivar of course you will lose all of your plant material all of your effort you have nothing to show Right. So to combat this, what we did was we embarked on a diversification program. We wanted to gather as many cultivars as we could and establish our own nursery. And so we did that. So now Montgate is privileged to have the largest sugarcane nursery outside of the government run research unit I mentioned wow. before, if you remember. Mm-hmm. Remember where used to work? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we now have the largest sugarcane nursery outside of them. Um, the green houses that you mentioned, they enable us to propagate the sugarcane from single eye cuttings. Usually would use the entire cane mm-hmm. or you would use something that we call a billet, about 10 inches inside. But by using the green houses, we're actually able to use 
one single eye of the sugar cane. And this helps us to expand our program a lot faster. So that is where we are in terms of the nursery, the cultivars, the grain mopses. And essentially, they serve to help us decipher which canes will be best suited for our plans in the future, you know, for our special yeah. project. <laughs> I, I think that's awesome. I, I hope my wife is also listening because I have about eight different varieties of tomato in our garden <laughs> back. <laughs> and she always asks me, like, why do you have so many different types? I'm like, it's it's part of the practice. It's This is how yeah. we, we learn and diversity yeah. of, of all of that. And it's mixed in with all the other stuff. So at a much smaller scale, of course. And yeah. far less scientific also. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you must have the science to back you up. I try, you know, yeah. <laughs> give it an effort. And I, I don't want to get into asking you to reveal any secrets, but but I'm <laughs> I'm curious if there are are certain qualities that you sort of prioritize over others in the sugarcane you're looking for. Like, is is most of it due to how it's going to grow and and that kind of thing, and when you're going to be able to, to harvest it? I don't even know if that's a factor, but um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you can speak to that at all. Well, in the conventional sugarcane world, we tend to focus heavily on yields. Mm-hmm. So, Gay is located in an intermediate rainfall area. So, in the past, we would have selected the canes primarily to grow in this intermediate rainfall area, those canes that perform best with, you know, a, a moderate amount of rainfall. But the more we get into rum and molasses, um, this might change with Maggie on board. You never know what you might see in the future in terms of the selection of these sugar canes. Yeah, for us, it's a it's an exciting project to be growing sugar cane to make super high quality molasses, which is yeah. not what the last few decades have been necessarily about. So it's, yeah. uh, it's different. <laughs> yeah. That's why we're so mysterious. We're mysterious ladies. <laughs> no, it's, it's interesting though, because I remember Maggie, you had Wayne Curtis did that article about kind of your search, um, at your previous position for the ideal molasses and you were so far away back then um, from being able to get it. And now you're like right at the source growing sugarcane for the purpose of, 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 um, <laughs> of having molasses. Like yeah. what is it like going from that to this? <laughs> like, is it, it must feel a little shocking. I would think. It, it feels like, um, it feels like I, I took all these very strange career steps that didn't always, <laughs> always make sense at the same time. And now it's like, Oh, that was the reason. So I could be here now. <laughs> So, uh, yes, um, it feels incredible to be like getting to work with Jackie is like amazing. Like so many things I've read in a book or studied at school or in Mm. distillation a hundred times, like it's not the same as being at the research station, you know, shaking the canes. So they are cross pollinating, like and creating (laughs) different things. Like it's, it's completely different experience and totally changed me as a distiller already. I make you go into the cane rows with me now, so it's as close to the source as if you can get. There you go. Wait, yeah. you, men- you mentioned something that stood out to me. You said shaking the canes. Can you can you tell me about that? I'm not familiar with this process. Um, if J- Jackie, if you want to talk about it, one of the first things we kind of did earlier in working together, it's it's been awesome to get to work with Jackie. Uh, she took me to the crane, cane breeding station and they gave us, gave me sort of an in-depth tour of like okay. all these things. And of course, I'm thinking about all of the grape breeding stations I've been to from uh. my wine background and and it was really cool to see those different aspects, but there's this really like beautiful process where they, where they introduce the canes as to create different crossings. If you want to talk about that more, Jackie, you know much more about it than I do. <laughs> well, essentially it's part of their breeding program. So it's not something we do on a normal basis on the estate because mm-hmm. we're just propagating the canes. We're just multiplying. But as a part of their breeding program, they have to use the little bits of fuzz on the arrows of the cane and somehow combine that to make new cane. So it's a very intensive process. And I wanted Maggie to see it firsthand so that she could have an appreciation of the, you know, the intense work that goes behind the production of new sugar cane cultivars. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we took her there to experience it. Yeah. Yeah. Just helping me learn like overall everything about cane because what we uh-huh. do ourselves is specific, but it was really good to get a reference for what's going on across the entire industry and see it up close and get to touch and feel it and all those things. Hmm. That's, that's so interesting. Yeah. You always hear about new cane varieties or like crossbreeding, but I've never stopped to think about like, how does, 
how does that like how do you make that happen if you want it to so it's a very minute fuzz on sugar cane that you have to use so most people wouldn't know that it's all in the fuzz <laughs> yeah all in the fun <laughs> <laughs> uh so we we've, we've mentioned the word sustainability a few times uh so far in this conversation and I think that word gets thrown around so much these days and not just in rum and spirits, but like all over the place that you almost start to sort of lose the meaning. It can get lost a little bit. And one thing I wanted to ask you both is why do you think the average rum drinker should care about sustainable rum production? Like how is it relevant to rum and the future of rum? And, and what is it kind of, what does sustainability as a whole mean to you at Mount Gay? In my opinion, both, producers and consumers have a responsibility to ensure that the rum that they consume is produced as sustainably as possible. Rum has a very checkered past, to say the least. Mm -hmm. Um, It's something that we are all aware of, but we should not ignore. And so I believe that a commitment to sustainability means that we are committed to the use of fair and ethical practices in our labor, in our Mm. sourcing of materials, in our processes, in how we treat the environment. So the average rum drinker should care because it means that we're showing concern for our people and our processes yeah. and, you know, just ensuring that it's a rum for a very long time, but as fair and ethically as possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Personally, at Mount Gay, we're located on a very small island, you know, the island of Barbados, only 166 square miles in size. Very small, a dot, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. So small islands such as ours are very sensitive to world development. Climate change mm-hmm. in recent times is very real to us, very real to us. It presents itself in the rising sea levels, in the changes to our climatic conditions. Within the last two years, we've been having very strange weather, if you will. Mm-hmm. Rain, when it, when it, rain when it's not supposed to be rain, and then when it does come, it's like extreme events, heavy, heavy yeah. downpour. So sustainability speaks to all of that, you know, just ensuring that there's longevity of monkey and Barbados as a whole. You know, there's a big emphasis throughout the entire company on, you know, ocean conservation and mm-hmm. being aware mm-hmm. that that's as much of our ecosystem as the land sometimes it feels like. And like Jackie said, it's, it is not, I, it's been interesting for me moving here that it's not a consumerist culture in the way mm. that I'm used to. It is a, it is a very thoughtful, low-waste culture. You know, it surprised me when I moved here that it's very normal for every home to have a solar water heater, solar oh, panel wow. water heater. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very, very natural and nor- normal to mend and repair and fix. And a lot of people have those skills. Whereas, you know, growing up for me, you threw it away and bought something new. I wouldn't even know right, how to fix right. it. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely that culture. And then, of course, Mount Gay's dedication. You know, I, I'm kind of have written and spoken on this in the past and like the real, where the really meaningful um, sustainability can come from. It's not just the public outward facing stuff, but mm-hmm. sort of the more interior stuff. So our liquid natural gas boiler is fantastic. We, Jackie and I had some hammering outside our offices the last few weeks with a uh-huh. solar panel project that's happening. Uh-huh. Um, and there's a lot of really meaningful and exciting stuff in the works because I will say that it's not just Mount Gay, it's also Remy Quantro is really dedicated to this theme of sustainability through every step of the process um, and everything we do. And it's it's really nice to see that attention and stewardship, which mm-hmm. is so important for, you know, an island culture. Yeah. Now it's it's interesting, you know, talking about different things around the distillery when and I'm I'm sure you've talked to him about this as well when I've talked to Roberto Serrayes in the past about about sustainability and it's just like every piece of the process at a distillery there's like some challenge to making it more energy efficient or uh, there's always like something to solve and there's so many pieces of it that consumers aren't aware of and like will never see and um but yeah it's like so much work goes into that stuff yeah and for us the you know looking really closely, especially on the farm about what can we do closed system wise? How can Mm. we not import this and not import that? How can we take water from the distillery and reapply it to the fields? Um, How to get nutrients in that process too. And I think that's something we're really aware of is how do we close our own system to reduce our waste instead of bringing things in and ejecting waste out? 
I think a lot of rum drinkers would agree with those sentiments and and see it as a worthwhile effort for those reasons and, and others as well. I also wanted to mention, I'm sure there's also some thoughts when people sometimes hear sustainability or organic and they think, oh, yes, and now what's the economy of that? And, and are there going to be price differences affected by all of that? So I wanted to ask you all, is that part of the conversation when you think this through? Have you all thought about how that piece and product price plays into sustainability practices? Or is really, is it the focus is, look, we we have a higher responsibility here for many reasons. And whatever happens with the end product is what it is. And we we will think people will understand that. Yeah, we're really fortunate that Remy Cointreau is majority family owned and Mount Gay has been around for 319 years. So long-term thinking is a big part of this company. So Mm -hmm. I think that with a lot of short-term economics, you run into, we're making this investment, so we have to have all these economic issues. Whereas for us, the long-term benefit, because you often see at wineries um, and other businesses where they invest in organics, et cetera, you actually reduce your inputs. You actually reduce some of your costs. So for us, it's sort of the long-term game as opposed Mm -hmm. to the short-term seeing sort of this pop and then fade. It's sort of this long-term game the community cost. If you're pulling resources and things out of your community to do that, like that's a huge expense. And so for us, the overall humanitarian expense of not going towards sustainability, especially being close to the equator, a smaller island, um, a place that's often more heavily impacted by those actions than other places. It's to us, it's just too important and something we plan to manage with a long-term vision. So you mentioned uh, talking a little bit about the, the the hammering and the solar project there. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, the procedures and processes or other innovations that you're working on, specifically maybe with the usage of energy to run the, mm-hmm. the distillery? Are, are they renewable or uh, what are some of the other pieces there that are in action? Well, we're very excited to share that we are moving away from the dependence on fossil fuels, such as diesel and kerosene, to cleaner fuel and to renewable energy where possible. So in 2021, we commissioned our LNG plant, liquid by natural gas plant. And this has gone a long way so far in helping us to reduce our carbon footprint. So that is replacing some of the diesel and kerosene in the in the process. Actually, we have completely re- replaced diesel, so no more diesel in the process which you know is a very heavy fuel and contributes the heavy carbon emissions. So that has been removed from the process. Barbados is blessed to have year-round sunshine. I know most people are very jealous of that fact, but yes, we do have year-round sunshine. And so we decided to harness that energy from the sun for the production of solar power. This is not foreign to Barbados. We have been using solar power, especially for heating water for many, many years um, Mm. From a child, I remember so many ads on the radio and the TV talking about get your own solar water heater so that you can be in the hot water, you know. So <laughs> we have been doing that at a much larger scale. We have solar power both at our Brandon's and St. Lucie plants, and we plan to increase this in the very near future. Awesome. I know um, one of the things that has always been cool to me when when talking to anyone associated with distilleries is hearing like sometimes the ideas that get exchanged between (laughs) distilleries and i'm I'm interested in because so everyone is is facing a lot of the same challenges with sustainability so do you see a lot of collaboration or a lot of exchange of ideas because like i know there's always some edge of competition between distilleries but this seems like one area of the business where it's like I, I don't know, like maybe there's a little bit more openness in terms of like sharing what's working for you and, and trying to make the whole industry more sustainable. Yeah, I think that um, I think especially here, you've seen some of the distilleries come together over common causes and start to share and exchange information. So, mm-hmm. you know, we definitely when we're looking at different equipment or something like that, we'll call our peers who have the same equipment and mm-hmm say, what do you think? How's it gone? Can we come visit? Can we come see? You'll, yeah, we're headed out on a little adventure shortly to see some of our peers. I don't want to blow up their scene, but uh, there might be some photos online soon. Uh, so some of us are going to go visit some of our peers uh, at another island. And yeah, Very I think cool. that 
I think that when you have common goals and you're kind of similar in your your ethos and your approach, it's just really natural that you'd have that support. I think particularly as an outsider coming to the Caribbean, something I see is very important is your relationships. And, you know, there can be a big storm, there can be a tough year, there mm, can yeah. be a hardship and your family and your friends and your relationships really show up to help you get through. Cause when you get sort of knocked sideways in a country that is sort of underrepresented or disadvantaged in certain ways globally, like you need those support systems. So I think there's a very natural, like if someone reaches out and asks you, you help, would you say that's accurate, Jackie? Or <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. So uh, Maggie, I think you, you pretty much answered earlier how much you can share about what your projects are that you're working on. But I know listeners would be beating down our doors if we didn't ask when we might see something from the estate run program. And if the answer is you can't say anything else, that's fine. But I have to do it or otherwise, you know, John and I will be at our personal yeah. safety may be at risk. <laughs> yeah, if my, uh, if my Facebook inbox and Instagram DMs tell me anything. So this is a common question. Um, and I'll be super, super excited to share with everyone is, you know, when I can. And yeah. yeah, it'll be a good time. All right, then keep your secrets. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you all for your patience. You know, spirits is a very long term game. Yes. You always hear us say, like, when something's new, it takes a long time. So yeah. buckle up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, stuff like this makes things fun. It, you know, it makes the, the build up and the anticipation make the reveal all that much uh, more special, I feel like. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of good stuff happening in the rum world and even cool new stuff from Mount Gay anyway. I know John is uh, sipping on some of the Andean oak cask right now, which uh, he's, he's been, he's been uh, in my ear about. Yeah. So I've been making Will so jealous. Out there. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I haven't gotten a bottle <laughs> myself, so maybe he'll share Wait, He's want to be, he's want to be lucky few because that's sold out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's sold out. Yeah. Very, very, I was very, very lucky. Quickly. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I was weeks. very lucky to get one. Yes. So, I'm happy yeah. to have it. And can I just mention, I know Will is going to roll his eyes at me, but oh my gosh, I love the packaging for this one too. <laughs> mm -hmm. yes. Oh, it's so nice. They did a really good shelf. job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. they did such a good job. So fantastic liquid inside the bottle and everything outside of it. Yeah. Really well. Trudy Thank you. And, yeah. Trudy Ann and the team are doing some really incredible stuff. It's just amazing. And, you know, when she reformulated the, the, the leases, the black barrel, the XO, uh, I'm such a fan. I was so excited and, I think what she's up to is is really special. Yeah, yeah. I was lucky enough to sit in on one of the tastings where you know we got a sample of the previous blends and the new blends, and just being able to like see that and like hear the process behind it and everything was was so fascinating. So we definitely need to have Trudy in on the podcast at some point. So <laughs> hear about the always... other the other side of Mount Gay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really encourage people to pour Black Barrel and XO against similar peers and just give it a go because I think people think. Oh, I've had Mount Gay. I've had it in the past. I know it, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, it's exciting right. to revisit. I see John nodding enthusiastically. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Well, we, yeah. John, John and I just um, recorded an episode of, of just the two of us a few days ago where we were um, building like our ideal rum flights for different yeah. scenarios. And one of his flights included Mount Gay XO. And he was, yep. he was basically like hitting all those points you just made. So you're, you're uh, you're preaching to the we're, choir right now. We're we're, we're mentally synced. Maggie. We've, we've, we're on the same page here. I Unicorns in a forest together. I love it. In a unicorn habitat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I want to go back to a little bit of what we were hinting at earlier, which was when people hear Mount Gay has an agricultural program, their minds go straight to sugarcane. But I know that's not the only thing you're managing. Um, I've read about fruit trees. I've read about <laughs> mahogany trees, beehives. Mahogany trees. I, I think yeah. I think Maggie, maybe you posted some pictures of the beehives and stuff. And I knew you had done beekeeping stuff in mm -hmm. the past. And so I was like, did she bring this to Mount Air? Like, was this already <laughs> happening? Um, it so was. It was a perk on my resume. Was <laughs> <laughs> he's not Plus, scared of bees? Yeah, we can handle this. <laughs> the, the beekeeping section of the resume yep. really came in handy. Check um, that box. So kind of, I'd love to hear just what's the motivation to go beyond sugarcane? Like what role does, does all of that diversification of what you're growing kind of play in the whole, the whole program? Well, yes, we're, we are surprisingly much more than sugarcane on the last night. We do have a strong biodiversity program we're, that we're actively working on right now. 
Um, I'm saying sugarcane is a monocrop, has been present in Barbados since the 1600s. And while it does have its benefits to the soil, as any monocrop does, it can also remove essential nutrients from the soil. And it also reduces your plant diversity, you know? So in order to combat this, what we have done is we implemented an active crop rotation program. So that's one aspect of the biodiversity. So this helps us to fight the fertility and pest issues without the use of inorganic compounds. Mm -hmm. So what we really do is we plant a lot of root crops, a lot of tuber crops, a lot Mm. of legumes and other short crops. And these help us to break up the pest cycles in the soil as well as protecting our soil. Mm -hmm. And another plus is that it contributes to local food security. You know, we we grow food alongside our sugar cane. And I must say that our staff... And the neighboring village, they they love our market days because we're able to supply them with fresh and trusted produce at, you know, a reduced price. So that's one plus to that part of the biodiversity program. The other part is the planting of trees. As you mentioned, we have a number of orchards. We have about three different orchards. These orchards have been put in places where the land is not suitable for sugarcane. Sugarcane prefers nice flat lands or just gently undulating lands. But in the areas where it's too steep or too dangerous, we just... Don't plant sugarcane or plant trees. Um, we also have a mahogany growth that you mentioned adjacent to these fields. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the past, mahogany used to be found all over the Barbadian landscape. And this oh, was really? before yeah, before the monocropping, before the housing. And so we're just doing a very small part, doing a very small part to bring some of this back because the trees were also carbon sinks. And we have a relatively mm. high carbon footprint because we're a small island. Mm-hmm. So we rely on imports and exports. So this is just another way of us trying to reduce our overall carbon footprint. Um, you mentioned the bees. Yes. Well, the tree, the trees, and the bees. <laughs> the trees and the bees go hand in hand. Um, the bees are critical to pollination, as you know, and the mm-hmm. overall food supply. Their populations have been on decline, not just in Barbados but yeah. all over the world, yeah. due to unsustainable practices. And so Montgay has made a commitment to increase its beehives annually. We actually trained 10 members of staff. Maggie's here with us now, so that would be 11. Nice. <laughs> and um, they all assist with the venture of increasing the number of beehives annually. We even went as far as to create the friendly patches at both the distillery and the estate. So we planted all the plants and the shrubs that we know that they like, ensuring that they have a supply of water, so give them them all little bee heaven or oasis, yeah, if you will. We um, like really do love our bees. <laughs> so, you know, these are some of the, the biodiversity activities that we have been doing for both flora and fauna. I was awesome. going to say, like, if I were a bee, Mount Gay sounds yeah. like a pretty yeah. like, awesome, it's like, like, little bee community. Eden. Yeah. It's you know, bee, and then food bee is... Eden? Yeah. Bee Eden? Bee Eden, yeah. Yeah. And then food is scarce. We even give them some of our own sugar. So, you know, oh. they're, they're very, they're very special bees. They feed on these sugar from our own canes. Yeah, they're very special. They're very pampered. They're very, very pampered. Yeah. They live a life of serene. Yeah. <laughs> we grow like lemongrass to put yeah. in their hives oh, to wow. help them stay healthy. And yeah. yeah. That's amazing. They get little bee massages once a week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Life of little serene. Little masks. It's so funny. Yeah. Um, so, so going back to the the food that you're growing, was am mm-hmm. I understanding correctly that you essentially have like almost like a farmer, like a Mount Gay farmers market where people can come and and just purchase um, yeah food there during during the growing season when we actually we have sufficient rainfall because we're primarily rainfall fed, okay. so we rely on the rainfall to feed these crops. Um, we do have a weekly farmers market that we extend to our staff and mainly. The, the neighboring villages, the people of the neighboring villages, but people come from far and away to get to get our produce because it's just that good. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. It's, it's uh, we were here one week and I was like, no, yeah. we're never leaving. It's so good. <laughs> Maggie can tell you what her first watermelon. She's like, it's Ooh. so red and <laughs> it was incredible. Like you got into it and it smelled as fragrant as like a wild rose. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. The okra. I'll never get over those okra. Oh, best okra. Oh, there's my okra. Life. <laughs> that that's a, a magic word for me. I, I absolutely love okra. That's one of my favorite yeah. foods. So, Jackie, are there any crops in particular that you just really enjoy working with? Over, like, do you have any favorites, or or is it like you After know, kind of choosing? Cane, of a, is it like choosing yeah. a favorite child? 
I was going to say, um, I probably should say sugar cane, but I remember, <laughs> I, mentioned, <laughs> remember I mentioned that I work as a non-sugar agronomist. Yeah. So my favorite crop is actually the sweet potato. Oh, the sweet potato. Yeah, and that's because I really believe that it's a crop that can address food and nutrition insecurity. Mm. So, you know, it's a staple crop. It's a carbohydrate source. It's also a very vital supply of vitamins and minerals. It grows well in Barbados. It grows well under harsh conditions, you know. So I really think that it's a crop that can help us address food and nutrition security. So I would have to say sweet potato. Don't shoot me anybody for saying that. <laughs> and the flower is really beautiful yeah. too. Yeah. You know, Very it's nice, really, yeah. really pretty. Um, yes. And yeah, the Mount Gay sweet potatoes are, they're epic. It's pretty That's, sweet. So. Wow. Yeah, I thought I was just missing out on like, you know, the rum uh, that I haven't <laughs> no. had yet from Mount Gay. But it turns out that there's, there's all there's kinds of stuff of there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's amazing. Sweet potatoes are very versatile. A lot of things you yes, can do they with are. Yeah. yeah. I love sweet potatoes and yams. And those are not the same thing, right? Right. We, no. we can make sure. Because no. I talk to people about this. We, yeah. we yeah. get the real, real, real yams here. I think you gave me some, Jackie, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. I can actually give you the scientific name. <laughs> sweet sure. Sweet potatoes are Ipomia batatas. Oh. Those are the genuine sweet potatoes. Yams, as we know them, are Dioscorea alata. So you tend to refer to yams, but they're actually Ipomia batatas. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So as I was thinking about talking to you all for this interview, one of the things that I thought of was you're you're coming to this distillery as I think Maggie said, 319 years old distillery. Mm-hmm. It's so much history, such a distinctive style that you've already spoken about, and you're tasked with something completely new. And so <laughs> how has that come together for you? And what's, what's that been like? So you've got all of this, but you're doing something that's kind of fully new. How have you approached that? Yeah, well, I think that it's really interesting because we have some employees, you know, Blues, who passed away recently, was here for 45 years. And wow, wow, wow. we have some employees now who've been here easily 25 years. And it's it's great to have that history here because they people will share with you that, you know, it seems like, oh, it's always been this one way and now something's new, but there was always innovation happening. I remember when we changed this. I remember when we started making this product. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember the era where we stopped making this product or we tried this or we tried that. I think there's always been really, really fascinating innovation going on, but always with that core classic house style to to steer us in a direction that's classic and stays away from gimmick and, and leans mm-hmm. more towards right. sort of the, the, the true innovation and the, the subtlety and the elegance and the leveling up. And, and I think that's been a part of, of Malke for a long time. You know, the commissioning of the coffee still just a few years before I came is something totally new and, and totally exciting and a different mark and a different expression and a different tool to play with. And so I feel like there's always something new going on at Malke, yeah. but also it does have this legacy that you know that you are one small your your hands help shape one small generation if you're lucky uh mm-hmm. of right. of this era so it's sort of like people are used to new things happening and also it is you feel this sense of i want to get it right for mount gay um and you want it to be in the vein of and in the house style of and and recognizable as that and I think that takes a certain amount of, you know, wanting to be part of something bigger than yourself, which, Mm -hmm. you know, most of my experience was at much smaller experiences. And so it's been kind of cool to kind of step that back and be like, to build what we build is really, um, you know, I've always worked with great teams, but to build what we build is it's a big team. And it's a lot of, we all kind of understand this essence of of what Mount Gay is, even as we're trying new things, if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Jackie, the same same for you? Well, for me, I came from an industry that was heavily relying on the use of conventional practices, you know, the use of herbicides and pesticides mm-hmm. and inorganic fertilizers. You just, that was just the norm. But when you come to Mount Gay and you hear, you have to use sustainable practices, you know, you have to know better, do better, be better, and you have to think outside of the box. So it was quite a culture change for me, moving away from the conventional industry practices into the more sustainable monkey side. But I would love to say that I think that I'm better for it. 
Yeah, I th- Maggie, um, what you were saying about kind of like new things being constantly tried all the time. I remember one of my favorite interviews that, that we've done on the podcast was when we when we talked to Frank Ward and he told us about his right. time, like his mm-hmm. era of Mount Gay and all the different things that he tried and like how the industry was changing and, and everything. And yeah, there's 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 so much. I, I think I think a lot of times we act as if like all the interesting stuff in rum only started happening within the last like five years. Um, but like, there's, there's so much in, in the past, you know, 20, 30 years that we just aren't aware of that went into it. And it's, it's always really cool getting to learn about that. And I'm sure you've both heard so many stories from that time period. So that's really yeah. cool. Just, uh, two weeks ago, someone was visiting, uh, Kirsten from E and A Shear. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. We, we don't sell them any rum, but we're great friends of the industry. Come on by. Like you were saying, uh-huh. you know, yeah. let's connect, let's yeah, chat, yeah, let's yeah. And of course, they used to buy rum from Mount Gay. And uh-huh. so we were walking around and he would say, oh, I remember this was where Frank Ward would grow his little like plants and have different seedlings. And I'm like, that's where we grow seedlings. And we <laughs> give the seedlings to our staff with Vanas so they can take it mm-hmm. home and grow their own seedlings. And uh-huh. just hearing these different stories as people walk through the distillery and say, oh, I remember this. And oh, yeah. this building used to be that. And it's it's very cool. Wait, so so staff can get seedlings and vanast to go to use as fertilizer? Vanast to go. Yes, of course. We have a very robust initiative. We call it the Green Employee Initiative. So every year we give them seeds or seedlings and we just try to encourage them to grow their own food while using healthier practices. You know? So it's an yeah. actual annual initiative that we have for our staff. That's so cool. What what talk can, about yeah. living that, right? Yeah, that yeah. living that yeah. ideal. And for the entire staff, like for everyone yeah. to have their hands on it. It's not just something yeah. we say, it's a thing we all do, yeah. Yeah. Um I I'm, I'm trying to like th- this is probably a ridiculous question, but what kind of container do you get Vanas to go in? Is it just like a like what does it look like? We're not allowed to use um, plastic. Right, so right. It's, um the bottles made of biodegradable material or it'd be asked them to bring their own bottles. Oh, okay. So reusing. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. great. So it's all connected. Yeah. Wow, this has been so cool. And I'm yeah. I, I feel like I kinda wanna go to Mount Gay just to see like I feel like I'm gonna get there one day and I'll be like, Yeah, the the distillery can wait. I wanna see like where, show me the bees, like I wanna see the sweet potatoes, I wanna You're see the mahogany trees. <laughs> it should be part of the tour for sure. <laughs> You'll even take it for a hike through the same mahogany trees. You never know Ooh. what you might be able to experience on that day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You will see yeah. some monkeys. It will be yeah, adorable. Oh, are there so monkeys in the, in the mahogany trees? Yes, we have about two troops of monkeys, probably 500 monkeys in each wow. troop. And if you're early enough um, on a morning, you might see them come out to fight. You know, <laughs> they're a feature mm. on our landscape. <laughs> what what kind of monkeys are they? They're green monkeys. So green smaller monkeys, monkeys yeah. Okay. But hmm. we, have many. <laughs> yeah, we have nonetheless. many. Nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> we have a little monkey garden. Kevin, <laughs> who works with Jackie. Uh, has a little sacrificial here you go monkeys yeah. plantings to keep them happy and out of our You can have stuff. this. Yeah. Yes, he, he actually says every time he plants, he says, these rules are for you and these rules are for me. And supposedly it works, but I am not too convinced, you know. <laughs> yeah. The Mount Gay Mahogany Monkey Garden. Yeah, yeah. there you go. It's an understanding, an understanding with the monkeys. Yeah. Um, right. Thank you both again for taking the time to do this. Um, yes. Like I was saying, it's so cool to kind of get to see this side of Mount Gay and this new initiatives and, and what the future looks like. And it definitely sounds like we have a lot to look forward to that I'm sure people will be eagerly awaiting more more news of. So before before we wrap up, any anything else either of you would like to share or anything else people should keep an eye out for or um, yeah, just anything. I would say Trudian's Master Blender series just gets cooler and cooler and they keep selling out faster and faster. <laughs> that was probably, I got a lot of messages, a lot of messages about, can you get me one? And I'm like, we're literally out. Like we're yeah. the first people to run out guys. Like uh-huh. you can find it in a store. I don't have yeah. any. <laughs> and she's got some great stuff, but I don't want to speak for her. So uh, keep your eyes out. She's got really, really cool stuff coming. Ooh. For me, I know that we'll be speaking more about the work coming out of the essay in the very near future. So I would encourage um, people to, you know, just pay attention to our social media platforms and just keep themselves at a ball, informed as to all the exciting things that will be happening in the near future. 
We'll be yeah. involved and informed. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> We're there. Yeah. And on the uh, the Mount Gay Instagram, you know, I usually never follow brands Instagrams, but I used to follow the Mount Gay Instagram because uh-huh. it shows a lot of photos from the farm. Yeah. So yeah. if you're interested in seeing the crew and what people are up to on the farm, uh, it shows up there. Awesome. We'll, we'll put a link up to the Mount Gay Instagram in the show notes. So everyone can check it out and keep up with all the exciting work that both of you are doing. But yes. yeah, just thanks again for, for taking the time to share with us. And um, yeah, look forward to seeing what comes next. Thank you. <laughs> all right. So that was our interview with Jackie Brooms and Maggie Campbell of Mount Gay. We hope you enjoyed that discussion as much as we did and learned a lot from it. Found it to be a super interesting one for the future of rum, as we were saying in the intro, and uh, really enjoyed them taking the time to talk about it with us. And as Will kind of said at the outset, explore a whole new side of Mount Gay with us. And give us a whole lot of, you know, mysterious things to look forward to that uh, that can't, can't be discussed yet, but that I, uh, I know... Cliffhangers. Cliffhangers, exactly. Yes. We got some good cliffhangers, so a lot to uh, to watch from from the state run program at Mount Gay. Yeah, so if you're anything like us, uh, we'll need to keep following along with them and, and see what secrets they're able to reveal very soon. But until then, Will, of course, uh, we will keep going with our program and next episode, episode 50. It's the, the big goes one. on. It's a big one for us. So if you haven't got your audio message in, get that in. Host at rumcast.com or hit us up on social media with it. Uh, we would love to hear from you. So uh, with that said, Will, where, where are we on social media so they can get to us? I, be- I believe we're at the Rumcast on Instagram, the Rumcast on Facebook, at the Rumcast on Twitter. You can find us YouTube. on... Yeah, if you, if you want to, if you don't like listening to podcasts and you like to just sit at your computer and listen to podcasts there, you can do that now because we're on YouTube. Yeah. So you can just go to our YouTube channel and pull it up and uh, listen to the podcast right there. But yeah, um, does, does that make us a YouTube cast? I mean, is that a thing or is, is how does that even work? I don't I don't know what it is. I, I would, I you know, it's it's tube it, cast. It's a, a yeah, sure. No, I'm not saying tube cast. It's a it's a podcast you can you can listen to on YouTube if if that's your thing. But you know we're just trying to go wherever the people are. We want to make it as easy as possible. So that's what we're doing. But with all that said, uh, I will see you when we record our fiftieth episode. Yep. And uh, thank you all so much for listening as always. And we will see you then. Thanks everyone. Bye.